listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. We saw a rare breakthrough in Congress this week as leaders struck a deal on a $2 trillion stimulus package. It's an effort to stave off major recession or even something the likes of which we haven't seen since the Great Depression as a result of the pandemic coronavirus. It would include direct checks to most Americans, totaling about $1,200 per person. There are loans for small businesses and large businesses in this package. It is really, really comprehensive. And here to talk to us more about this federal response to the pandemic is Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, a Democrat from Dearborn who represents Michigan's 12th congressional district. Debbie, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Steve. It's great to be with you and everyone else. Yes, it's great to hear you. Uh, before we get started, uh, g- give me a sense of how you're doing through all of this. I'm asking everyone right now how they are and how they're adapting to these changes. You are, of course, busy with work, uh, getting all of these things done in Washington, but uh, give us a little window into your world right now. Well, I have not left my house uh, for 12 days. I came back from Washington last weekend, did a couple of things, including the grocery store, filing for re-election. And as of a week ago, Monday, I snuck out at 6 a.m. Sunday morning, but I'm staying inside, as the governor has asked us to do, and for some other reasons as well. Hmm. And and let's get to this package in Washington, which got stalled for a bit. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, the speaker, says she plans to hold a vote on this today. Are you still confident that this is going to happen? This bill will happen today. Uh, We need to get this bill done, and we need to get it done on a bipartisan basis. A number of my colleagues have returned. One of my staff uh, has been tested for the coronavirus, and we've been waiting 10 days for her to get the the person to get mm-hmm. the test results back. Mm-hmm. And so out of an abundance of safety, uh, I am staying home. But uh, there are, is a quorum in Washington. People are being asked to stay in their office unless they need to be on the House floor. But there will be enough votes to pass this bill today. You know, it's not perfect. There's some things I wanted to see in it. There's some things in it that I don't like. But compromise is not a dirty word, and we need to get people the resources that they need. We need to get unemployment checks out. We need to help small businesses. The hospitals need liquidity. They need money. This bill will do that, and I've talked to enough colleagues on both sides of the aisle. This bill will pass overwhelmingly. And and there's been a lot of criticism of the things that are in this bill. Too much money for corporations, for instance, is something that I've heard a lot of not enough money for individuals. Talk about the discussion among Democrats in particular in the House about how to come to an agreement about what should be in here and what shouldn't and how good you feel about what what we're what we're about to pass. I feel good that Nancy Pelosi uh, was very clear as a leader of the House Democrats that we need to make sure that any aid that went to corporations was tied to the workers. You know, we have a lot of people. You saw yesterday, last night in the news, that General Motors is cutting the salaried employees' uh, income by 20%. The auto industry, I've spent 
nonstop in the auto industry. I'm never off the phone. I'm on the phone at 6 in the morning until midnight every night, which is why my voice sounds like it is. I don't have coronavirus <laughs> that I know of. But um, it, 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 when you talk about the auto industry, it's 17 million jobs when you take the OEMs and the supplier community. Those people need to have their jobs. They're worried. We need to make sure they're there when we come out of this. We have suppliers who are already laying off people. We need to make sure that the people that are being laid off, not all of them, have uh, are able to get paid by their companies. So we've got to make sure that the unemployment insurance is there. We've got to get checks to people. So are there some of the provisions that I'm now hearing about now? I have yet to see the language on all of the language on this. But what we do need to do is to make sure that every person in this country is getting a check that needs it. We need to take care of the small businesses. We've got a lot of them in Michigan. I talk to the small business owners and restaurant owners every day, and some some of them are people you know that are just scared. I had one restaurant owner last weekend that was in tears as he had to lay off five managers and 100 employees. We have to take care of these people, and that's why this bill has to get out there, and we have to put money into the economy so when we come out of this, we have an economy. And and do you feel like it's enough, I think, is one of the other questions. So no. $1,200 checks to people, that's, that's money that people will use certainly to pay immediate needs. But if this goes on for another month, another two months, another three months, this kind of withdrawal from the economy, from commerce, from interaction, we're going to need more, won't we? So we... We are already talking about the next bill, and that's what our job is to do, is to take care of people. We have to see where we are. I am someone that's very blunt and very honest. Uh, I don't think we should sugarcoat. I think as government officials, we need to be transparent. I don't think we're going to reopen after Easter. I think I want to thank, Steve, the people that are working. I want to thank the doctors and the nurses who are just the total front line but also the grocery store workers, the restaurant uh, workers who are making sure that people have food, the people that are in the plants that are going to make the masks and the gloves and the ventilators and the respirators. They are our heroes, and, and we need to thank them. But some of us are going to have to stay home for a month or six weeks. That's a reality. We'll survive it. Our grandparents survived World War II. We're going to survive this. It's an invisible enemy that we have to fight together. And we'll do what we have to do right now to keep as many of us safe as we have to, which means stay home, stay home, save lives. And when we come out of it, we'll bring our economy back and we'll do what we have to do to help people. So so speaking of working together, uh, I really, really want to get your reaction to some of the things that the president has said about the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, in response to her request for more federal aid. She would like this to be declared a, a major disaster here in, in Michigan. He wasn't happy with that request and, and said that uh, she has not been doing her job. What's your reaction to that? I've tried very hard not to be political. Our congressional delegation is working together every day. I talked to Fred Upton, and I talked to Paul Mitchell. I talked to Fred several times a day. I talked to Paul probably once a day, several times a day. We can't be partisan. But quite frankly, she's not saying anything different than the governors of California or New York have said. They need help. 
Last week, the governors were told by the president, go out and find your own equipment. This week, we had to have an emergency delegation call because it's hard. We have government governors that are bidding against each other, paying more, desperate to get these supplies in for our doctors and our nurses, what's called personal protection equipment, PPE. So the governor had arranged to get some things shipped here, and suddenly the suppliers called and said, we can't ship them to your state. The the federal government is taking over distribution nationally. You know, you've got to give clear and consistent guidance to these governors. And quite frankly, I don't think President Trump helps by, you know, selecting one of the governors out of all of them to attack. I think it's interesting that it's a woman. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she desperately doesn't want to be in a pissing contest with the president. None of us do. We need to work together. We need the president to lead us all out of this danger. I respect him. I want to work with him. Uh, And we just have to. But what he's doing is not fair. This governor is doing everything she can to keep us safe. And trying to figure out this PPE issue is what's keeping every member of our delegation, Republican and Democrat, working morning, noon, and night because we've got to get it here. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, a Democrat from Dearborn who represents Michigan's 12th congressional district. We're talking about the federal response to the coronavirus pandemic, the legislation that is expected to move through the House of Representatives today and maybe be signed by the president very quickly. That would put money in people's pockets, $1,200 to individuals, uh, lots of loans and grants available to businesses, both small and large. If you would like to join the conversation, give us a call and tell us what would a $1,200 check from the federal government mean for you right now? How would you spend that money or would you save or invest it? Uh, Do you think this is the right way to try to get the economy going at a time when it is kind of frozen in place by the pandemic? Uh, We especially want to hear from you if you've lost income or your job because of the pandemic, how important is that $1,200 going to be for you? And what else would you like to see the federal government doing to help you out? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, Chris on Twitter asks uh, about whether there, whether these assumed income limits on the stimulus check make sense. He says, is it fair that those earning above the limits are not being considered? Standards of living fluctuate per city and per region. Is the middle class being punished by being left out? of a lot of this help. Uh, What's your response to that, Congresswoman? I think we need to take a look when we do the next bill at whether we need to expand uh, those caps that were put on on income. Remember that, you know, it's really hard because I just don't think we can be partisan right now, but the Republicans had very strong feelings about this in the Senate. This was a Senate bill that came over to the House. The president, I have to say this, the president wanted to send a check to everybody. So we have to see how this is playing out, who's being hurt, and that's why we've got to go to this day by day. Uh, If someone in the middle class is laid off, uh, everybody is eligible for unemployment and everybody's eligible for a four-month paid 
leave if something happens to that family because of coronavirus. So uh, I can't say that I, I'm absolutely happy with the way the bill is, but I know it's getting money to those who need it the most urgently, that if someone loses their job, we're getting money to them uh, for unemployment and an additional $600 on top of that in the unemployment pyramid period has been extended. And if we have to do more in the next bill, we're going to fight for more in the next bill. Hmm. Uh, again, Chris, thanks very much for the question. Let's go to Anthony in Southwest Detroit. Anthony, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, sure. Yeah, so I guess that $1,200 check, if that comes, you know, I just got laid off, so for me, it's going to get eaten up really quickly with rent and uh, DTE and whatnot. Uh-huh. So that's cool, but, you know, it helps. Yeah. Um, I, more would help, but I guess I was also wondering about the unemployment, if that would, like, if you would apply separately through the federal government or if it would be after or during the same period. Uh, great question, so. Anthony, and, and I'm really sorry that you got laid off. I think, obviously, there's a lot of people in – that situation, and, and there's a lot of uncertainty, I think, among those folks about what will happen to them, what will be available to help them. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you called. Uh, Debbie, talk about what's available for people like Anthony, who, who will be grateful for this $1,200 check but have much bigger financial problems on the horizon. So I, too, am sorry that you've been laid off, and I'm hopeful that when we get through this, your job will be there for you to go back to. I don't know the individual circumstances, but the federal and state level do coordinate together. Uh, You should go to the unemployment website. It has crashed because of the sheer volume of people that are desperately in the same shape that you are. We had a record number of people that applied in the last week. But you can go to that site now and apply and they are trying to process checks as quickly as they can. So it is one process, the federal and state level, working together to file for your unemployment. Yeah. Uh, a related question. Mike on Twitter asks whether we might open up enrollment for the ACA. People who are losing jobs in many cases are losing healthcare along with it. Of course, if you have that kind of life event, you're able to enroll in the ACA, I think, outside of the enrollment period. But the president mentioned the idea, I think, of opening up enrollment just year-round at this point. Is that something that you think we need to do? I certainly uh, think we should look at that. I was sort of shocked to hear him say that. I'm Mm -hmm. pleased to hear it. Um, One of the other things that uh, actually Fred Upton is doing with me uh, is that we and there is some support for COBRA in this bill that we're passing today in the House, but people that are being laid off uh, have to buy COBRA, uh, can buy transitional insurance, but it's almost $2,000 a month in the institute, for instance, for many people. So we have tried to build COBRA support into this bill as well, and we'll continue to work to get more. But yes, we uh, if you are... If you lose your job and lose your health insurance, it is immediately opened up to you. But we need to help people. In some instances, it can be expensive, and we're trying to get financial assistance to help there as well. And we'll continue to push for more in the next legislation. Hmm. Uh, again, Anthony, we wish you all of the best and hope that uh, that things don't get too dark 
in the coming weeks. Let's go to Austin in Dearborn. Austin, welcome to the program. Hey, guys. Um, you know, I got laid off. To, I work for the school systems in Dearborn. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I've pretty much been laid off as soon as this happened. But uh, with that $1,200, I'm kind of thinking about investing it, not really spending it on things I need right now in this crisis, but more or less something that I can, you know, work towards in the future. Um, hmm. Hmm. I just, yeah, go ahead, Austin. No, I was just hoping what your guys' opinion were on that, whether <laughs> investing it now or... Yeah, I'm not know. an investment counselor, Austin, but I, I, I think if you can do that, if you can take that $1,200 and, and make it work for you, that's always a, a great idea. And, and it's good to hear that you can think of that even even though you've gotten laid off. Uh, Debbie, I wonder, I wonder what, you, what you make of what people will be able to do with this money when they, when they get it and whether there are maybe some silver linings there. So I have some different thoughts, Austin. I'm stranded in Dearborn like you are. Stranded is probably not the right word, but I'm indoors in Dearborn like you are. Um, uh, one of the purposes of the payments is to try to help get money into the economy so that we keep it going. But I'm really glad to know that you're doing okay and you don't need to spend it immediately for necessities of food or or rent. And do remember that we're also... Uh, both at the federal and state level, people that need to can't pay their mortgage this month. No one can be evicted. A lot of people are looking at how we help people through these difficult couple of months. Uh, so I, I can't tell you, Austin, what to do with your money. I would say to many of the people listening, one of the hopes of it is to get money put into the economy, especially after we get back to work so that we help keep the economy strong. But God bless you uh, for thinking about saving because that's something that's really important too. And young people need to think about what they're going to have, need to have dreams, need to think about retiring in many instances 30 or 40 years away, but have to start saving. So everybody's going to do something different with that money. But one of the purposes of it is to help give people psychological reassurance make sure that they can buy their necessities and to put money into the economy. Yeah. So one of the things that I think is a question mark at this point is whether the economy is in the kind of free fall that could result in real economic damage, sustained economic damage, or whether it's just kind of frozen in place. In other words, that, that we've just kind of withdrawn from it and that after this is over – it will pick back up in a way, or at least have the potential to pick back up in a way that that might look more like what happened, uh, what was happening before this this pandemic. You know, I wonder what you make of of that assessment, Debbie, and and whether there are things we could do to make sure that that's the case. In other words, helping businesses to stay open at least, you know, to not have to file bankruptcy during this would mean that they would need workers again once everyone is out and moving around. But to do that, I think there's going to have to be some more support than, than we're thinking about right now. So I have several thoughts about this. First, I read an article in the Washington Post this week that someone wrote about how we're in a coma right now. And I really like the use of that word. You know, doctors, when patients are in danger and need time to heal, will 
induce a patient into a coma to give the body time to heal. And I kind of like that comparison. Right now, our economy's in a coma while we make sure people are okay. We're not, everybody isn't okay. Uh, but we don't want people to get COVID-19. We need them to stay home. We need to get healthy. We need to mitigate the spread of this virus. When we come back, we do want to. These small business loans will actually be, if people are able to keep their employees and, and to keep their business, these small business loans will turn into grants and won't have to be repaid. But I also... One of the things that has come out of this is an understanding of of the supply chain and what we've done to our country and how much of our supply chain is not in this country. Ninety percent of the medicine that we have in this country, at least some ingredient of it, is made in China. The masks, the gowns, the gloves, we've got to bring that back to the United States. We have to, there are a number of other things in terms of what the supply chain does, which makes it very clear for our national security, we have to return it to the U.S. And we need a massive infrastructure bill. We've been talking about it for years, but nobody can deny it now as we look at where the vulnerability is for us as a country. So when we come out of this coma, we are going to have to look at, how we bring plants back here, build factories, bring production, do a massive infrastructure bill, which will create jobs, which will also help stimulate the economy. So we're going to have to, look, these are tough times. There's no question about it. And all of us have to do our part to be part of the mitigation. We have got to spread this, stop the spread of this virus. Yeah. It is dangerous. It is killing people. I think at this point, most of us, a lot of us, in Southeast Michigan, know at least one person, if not several, that have died. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's quite frightening. But I also think we can come out of this stronger. And we're going to look at life differently, too. There are going to be a lot of... This has been a life-changing experience for many people. Yes, yes, it has. Uh, again, thanks for the call and the questions. Let's go to David in Royal Oak. David, welcome to the show. Hello, Congresswoman. Uh, I am... Uh, on Social Security, Disability, uh, Medicare, Medicaid. I live in a HUD-sponsored building. Um, uh, I have no viable, uh, no computer, no viable Internet, which would make telehealth impossible. Uh, Mm. Will I be, uh, uh, will I get a subsidy? Yeah, that's a great question, David. David has called a couple times this week, I believe, to ask uh, public officials about what is going to happen for for people like him. I'm glad uh, you called today, uh, David, when we have Congresswoman Dingell on. uh, Go ahead, Debbie. I have every reason from what you've said. I want to say to everybody, everybody's got an individual situation, and I don't know all of your details. Sure. But uh, if you're in HUD housing, I think that that would be an indication that, yes, you will get a check, one of uh, a $1,200 check. And now more than ever, we are making sure we're trying to expand Medicaid. We're trying to make sure that you're, you are getting all of your benefits, that you're safe uh, in your housing situation. And 
when I talk about infrastructure, we know that we've got to increase broadband and that we need to help people like you that don't have computers. So these will be things that we will be talking about as we come out of these difficult times. And you put a face on what we try to talk to our colleagues about, about the people we need to help. So um, I, if you... I think that Haley Stevens or Sandy Levin, or Andy Levin is your congressman, but we're all going to help you and be there and um, make sure that you're okay. But, yes, you should be getting a check. Again, David, thanks very much for the call. Let's go to Mary in Oxford. Mary, what's on your mind? Uh, yes. Um, I would like to ask Congresswoman Dingell if she would please try to talk Governor Whitmer into extending the state of Michigan income tax deadline to July 15th to match the feds. Hmm. If you want to help us financially, those of us who owe taxes, it would help if we didn't have to pay them on April 15th. Thank you. Great point, Mary. It is a great point. I've raised it already, and I know that her staff is looking at it it very seriously. Yeah, I I would imagine that some of those kinds of things are just – in the process of being considered and, and put into place, I, I, I would expect, and I don't know anything uh, in, in terms of detail about how she's thinking about this, but I would expect that we'll hear something about that pretty, pretty soon. Uh, okay, Debbie Dingle, Democrat from Dearborn, who represents Michigan's 12th congressional district. It is always great to hear from you, but especially right now, it was great to have you here on the program. Stephen, it was great to be with you, and I say to everybody, Stay home, stay safe, stay, save lives. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Okay, up next, we're going to talk with the former public health director of the city of Detroit, Abdul El-Sayed, about his forthcoming book, Healing Politics, and his reaction to how we're handling the coronavirus pandemic. Stay with us on Detroit Today. 